0: Welcome back everybody, the Pilot Tones podcast. This is episode six. Coming along nicely, six episodes. Six episodes, six listeners. Nah, I'm just kidding. maybe a little more. This is a Big Fright. Track one of our first full-length album, Episoda. Great song, eh? Still one of my favorites. We should do this again. Anyone else think we should do the song again? Okay, I want to hear everybody who wants to hear this song again. Go, yeah! Nah. <laughs> Nothing. Yeah! That's a vote from me. Unfortunately, I'm not in charge of the set lists. Uh, Glenn and Rob. Um, normally it was always Glenn, but now Glenn has found an helper in the hands of Robert Davidson, who's joined our band recently. Um... Rob actually helps us compose the uh, transitions between songs. So If you've seen us live recently, you'll notice a couple of songs have got sound effects and snippets of dialogue and sirens and all sorts of cool things that transition between one song to the next song. Uh, Rob puts those together on the computer, which is pretty cool. It's a lot of work, much more work than you would imagine. In fact, he's probably doing it right now. Uh, We had practice the other day. Uh, for our tour, upcoming tour in Germany, um, uh, Europe, Europe and the UK, um, we've had to look at a slightly different set list to what we play in South Africa. Um, you know, it's, uh, they haven't heard a lot of the new songs, so we don't want to do too many of them, but also it's kind of to promote the new album, so we do need to play some of them. However, we have gone back and looked at some of our old songs that did very well, especially in Germany, uh, Overexposed. Uh, did very well. In Germany, rock, paper, scissors was another good one. We are learning uh, electricity again. Heartbreak Horizon, and uh, yeah, so we've had to like go back and study some of those songs, and Rob has had to sit and learn them. Luckily, Rob's pretty good, and our songs aren't always overly complicated, so it's not too much work for him. But yeah, this is actually very cool. I mean, we've put together about a 25-song set list um, covering ground from radio controlled robots through to China Uh, so there's a nice variety of songs there and we're looking forward to coming back to Germany to Amsterdam and to the UK and to Scotland to play these songs Uh, we're going to Czech Republic as well Prague that's gonna be cool as usual dates are all on our website uh, what's it www.theparlotones.co.za go over there check them out and uh, yeah moving on uh, the point of this podcast originally was to read sections of um, the pilot and stories behind the song book. Um, we sell it at shows. It'll be available on our website soon for physical posting. Uh, we're looking at making it uh, available electronically through Amazon or something like that. Um, obviously, we would prefer to sell the physical copy because it just looks much cooler. It's a big solid, uh, very cool-looking book. I'm not sure how how it'll translate into a PDF file, or not a PDF uh, whatever Kindle file is. But yeah, we're looking at it. Anyway, so I thought what I'd do today is um, actually read some of the sections on Episoda, uh, specifically Big Fright, out of that book, just to give you a taste of what um, the book contains. for example, here on page 14, there's a little write up on Episoda. It says The Parlotones' first studio album, Episoda, released in 2003, received much airplay on campus radio stations across South Africa. Inspired by many of the band's influences at the time, Episoda is a 12 track album that resonated with fans of the Britpop indie scene, gaining momentum in South Africa. Due to the limited amount of copies pressed for retail, Episode I went on to become somewhat of a collector's item that today still has fans inquiring about how they can get their hands on it. Luckily for you, we have reprinted a few copies and you can now get it at shows uh, in somewhat limited amounts. We don't have hundreds of them, but it's definitely worth grabbing a copy. It's still a great album. Obviously, if you prefer, you can uh, go stream it on uh, Spotify or Apple Music, any of those, uh, um, any of those platforms. It's all there. Yeah, um, so let's uh, drop in some music for a few seconds, and I'm going to come back and read a few pieces of uh, information of nostalgia about that album episode. <laughs> Yeah, cool, man. All right. So let's see if I flip over to page, what are we on? Page 18. Yeah, what do we have? Page 14 was the introduction and there's a couple of photos and stuff. All right. So page 18. Big fright. This is a so basically how this book worked was we all wrote a memory of um, each song we've ever recorded. So, the bulk of it is Khan because it's obviously a lot about the lyrics and how he wrote it and his his inspiration, that sort of thing. However, all of us have got um, some sort of memory behind each song, which is pretty cool. You get, like, an overall perspective of where we were as a band, what we were thinking. I mean, we are all in our 20s back then, so we are a bit younger than we are now, you know? Now we're all married with kids. Our perspectives on life have changed a little, so... But uh, I love that these thoughts are timeless, and... Um, now nah. Nah. <laughs> nah, you can feel me fishing for words. All right, so big fright. This is Khan's, um, Khan's memory. I'm not going to read the whole thing because it uh, would defeat the point of view buying the book. John Boyd joined our band after our first EP and his signature Roland 303 can be heard opening this track, a haunting, almost metallic wind sound. The beauty of John's contribution is that it was always tasteful, subtle, and complimentary. He knew the art of restraint. His parts were always sparse, yet filled a massive space because they added immense substance without being bombastic. Right, skipping forward a paragraph. Uh, You must now remember this is Khan talking and not me. There are many popular songs that open with the chorus. This would prove to be one of those songs, with one difference. Ours wasn't popular. Both Paul and I had spent about a year in guitar lessons prior to this album, and you can hear a strong guitar presence throughout the album. The album, although still quite structured and filled with melody, was definitely quite experimental because we weren't aware of this thing called radio format and were oblivious to the industry rules, so we just added whatever we felt sounded cool. The producer producer we recorded with at the time was a guy named Andrew Lester, who had previously been from the band 57, and they had had a massive hit on 5FM. I mostly mentioned 5FM because they were the tastemakers at the time, they played fresh original music, whereas most of the regionals played classics from the 80s or songs that were hits two or three years previously. 5FM was the station that created the buzz around local artists. I remember Andrew turning to us after we played in the demos and, flipping the page, even completed the album. Oh yes, sir. So Andrew Lester turned to us after playing in the demos and after we had completed the album, saying, there's no single on this album. 5FM is not going to play it. We, of course, were filled with ignorant ambition and excitement over the fact that we were doing our first full-length album, and so dismissed his predictions as... Beep! Guess what? He was right. Not one single song off episode got playlisted. Right, so that's Kanye. let does continue on a little bit about the lyrics, um, something about sleep paralysis, which is very interesting. Um, If I flick over to my little paragraph, (coughs) I said... I said... What did I say? What did I say? Okay. Paul. Now this is me talking, so you can imagine me talking in my voice again. John Boyd was in the band during this time, and he played a Roland TB-303. Coming up with all the synth sounds... Synth sounds you hear on episodes, including the opening of this song. I still love this album. It just sounds like a band jamming in a room. It was early days, and we were young, dumb, and full of riffs. Except for John. He was old. I'm still surprised when I hear some of the stuff we played. How on earth did we come up with it? We didn't overthink anything, we just played whatever sounded good. So yeah, that's the kind of thing you can expect to read about almost every song. Um, We've all got different memories, like in this one, Glenn mentions how the drummer from another band we used to tour with would get up on stage and rap with us during the song, which was obviously one of those uh, young, naive things we were just doing when we were young, I mean... You're in a band, you're on tour, you can do whatever you want. I mean, why Why do you have to worry if uh, someone decides to come rap with you? We thought it was cool. I mean, maybe it was. Who knows? It might have planted the seed of that rap collaboration with this Cooley China a few years ago. But who knows? Maybe some of you at those shows, you remember the drummer from the Finkelsteins, Gomez, getting up on stage and rapping with us. If you do, give us a shout. Hopefully, you've even got a photo of it. Now, that would be cool. All right, but um, the other thing I wanted to do in this episode, and I know we are running a bit long now. We're coming up on 11 minutes already. Um, I'm going to read a chapter out of the book I'm Busy Writing, which is now called I'm Dancing Inside, officially, uh, which I'm releasing a month at a time on Patreon. I've talked about that before, so I won't go back into it now. Um, I'm just going to read... A little bit of what I wrote um, around the same sort of time when we were recording episode um, with Andrew Lester so I'm gonna pause here yeah? I need to back up the music a little or it's gonna start playing while I'm talking and I need to go to the document and open it be back in a minute pause not pausing and I'm back real technical genius we got here yeah? all right so here we go this is again In my voice, so you can imagine me talking in my voice. A band called 57 was doing fairly well on radio at the time with a song called Projection Man until they were suddenly dropped from their record label. We weren't sure what had happened, but John got in touch with a singer. His name was Andrew Lester, and he had built a studio at his home. 57 had recorded their EP and their full-length album themselves at this home studio, and we thought it sounded great. We had a meeting with Andrew and he agreed to record a full-length album for us for 12,000 rand. Quite a good deal, considering what we spend on recording albums these days. It was still a large amount of money. Sovereign told us, Sovereign was our record label at the time, Sovereign told us they couldn't pay for the recording, so we got the money together on our own and couldn't wait to get into studio. We were excited about the songs we had written and were full of creativity. We went into studio with Andrew Lester as producer, sometime in 2003. The producer is there to guide the band in studio, overseeing the studio sessions and discussing and helping to choose which songs should be recorded. And here's the song. Let's just listen a bit. Alright, Carl. if I could get back to this. <laughs> alright, 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 alright. Sally, recording these things is not as easy as I thought it was going to be. Okay, where were we? Recording with Andrew Lester. We had a great time in Andrew's studio and I think you can hear it if you listen to the album. It was quite a rough recording and definitely doesn't sound as polished as the later albums we recorded. We experimented with a lot of things that were new to us, like running John's keyboard through fuzz pedals, or distorting, the bass, or distorting the bass guitar and sliding it up and down a microphone stand. Listen to the opening of Where Do We Go From Here to hear this effect. And we'd leave in mistakes and studio chatter. All the guitar parts were recorded through a Line 6 amp, using mostly our own pedals for effects. I had quite a decent selection of pedals by then. I was using the Line 6 Distortion Modeler which had cost me a whopping 2500 rand back then, I had to get a credit card just to pay for it. I also had a Boss Digital Delay, the DD3 I think it was, the Purple Boss Analog Delay, the DM2, and a Karl Martin Tremor vibe, I'd bought the tremolo purely because someone told me that's how Radiohead got some of their weird sounds. It quickly became my favourite effect and I tried to use it in every song, you'll hear it all over Episoda and Radio Controlled Robert. And I believe I've talked about Tremolo in a previous podcast episode. Right, so um, that's, uh, I think that's good for today. We are in 14 and a half minutes. Um, hope you're all enjoying this. And uh, we will see you on tour soon. We've got band rehearsals. We've got songs to learn and visas to acquire. And um, yeah, we will see you on the road soon. Unlikely that you will be hearing any songs of Episode. But I will let the remainder of Big Fright play out. And you guys must have a good week. Cheerio. This is Paul from the Pilot Zones. And we will see you soon. Cheers.